Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined this week with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, who is back from his trip. Hey, you guys uh, held down the fort just fine without me. It was it, right? We had a good time. I mean, I'm going to be honest. When the when the cat's away, the mice well, yeah. will play. And the mice in this metaphor would be Joel. <laughs> Joel's the mouse. He's kind of mousy when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, a, in, the, in the positive sense of mousy. Yeah, in the most positive way yeah. you can draw that up. Yeah, it's actually, uh, where was I last week? You were in Colorado, Colorado and yeah. then immediately to Montana. Montana. You were doing a West Coast trip. Yeah. Um, Not a coast trip, a West Western, Western yeah, mountain trip. Like a Christian Yellowstone yes. thing going on. Yeah. It was actually really good. Like we, uh, there were pastors from UK, South Africa, Australia, the People's Republic of California. Mm, yes. Uh, Boston. Uh it was like it was I think there was twenty total and just a time of prayer and focus and reflection and um and I tell you, so I went into it pretty skeptical. Um because well, can I be honest? Like what I didn't want to go into is just get I uh I just didn't want to go get lectured about how we handled the pandemic uh from a bunch of city folks. Um and uh and that's not at all what happened. Like what what we what ended up happening was the spirit really moved and we got to you know, sit across the table from a guy from London who's just, you know, devastated over the way this two years have played out, and there doesn't seem to be any path out in in their state. And and, and I came back number one, thankful for what we have, and ready more than ever to fight for what to continue to fight for what we have uh, here because it hasn't been a picnic in Middle Tennessee, but to see what is happening in other Western quote unquote free countries. Um, I understand God's sovereignty. I understand Romans 13, but I also understand that we're, you know, that is not uh, where we are right now here. And I want to do whatever we can to resist that kind of nonsense and to support those pastors in Canada and UK that are, that are just being wrung out from all sides. So it was really powerful and I'm grateful to be away and I am grateful to be back yeah, in, in the saddle. We're glad you're back. And then I know that that trip was then <clears throat> followed up with a, a little bit of a, a retreat to um, to Montana to do some fly fishing up there with a, a great group of guys as well. Um, some pretty yeah. cool community happening up there. Yeah, our buddies um, Brian Carpenter at the Refuge uh, does this. When he first, well, I'm gonna tell you this. When he first told me about it, uh, almost ten years ago, I guess somewhere around there, I was like, "Wait, so you're gonna you're gonna get people to donate to your ministry so pastors can go fly fishing?" Like it felt like. And I didn't understand at all the, sure. the benefit. And the first time I did that, I went and it's back then it was just a dumpy old house in a dumpy little res town. Um, and it was the most restful days that I had ever experienced because when you're fly fishing, you're using your hands. Yeah. And I lost track of time. It's the first time that has ever happened. It's the only time it ever mm. happens to me is when I'm fly fishing. And so as stupid as it sounded to me, it's like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And so I actually, uh, they had a cancellation, and so I invited some leaders from this, in our church that are just leaders in the community, right. creatives, uh, leaders in their own industries, and to give them that gift. Uh, and so
events. Yeah, ten of them went with us, and it was uh, it was freezing cold because it's Montana and it's November. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, but the, the fascinating thing is it's cold. The water is warmer than the air, and so the trout don't care at yeah, all. Yeah, uh, with it, and so. It was cool, man. It was great to see our friends. Like, you know, Marshall Lee was there, uh, a Canadian hockey player fly fishing in Montana. It was amazing, <laughs> and uh, it was it was really cool. To, to lots of lots of great, amazing conversations happened, and God really moved there too. And yeah, uh, well, well, we're glad you're back, and just in time for the holiday for Thanksgiving, of course, and uh, which is tomorrow. By the you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Thanksgiving is always on a Thursday, and that's tomorrow. And so we're heading into the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, family and friends and football and food. And, so are uh, we going to be, maybe we'll be like the Thanksgiving podcast that people are listening to on the way to it, and home from. It uh, is quite possible. People trips. are traversing across the country listening to you and I. Which is, so for me, uh, we haven't traveled for Thanksgiving for Oh, golly, I don't even know. 20 years, maybe? Um, Since you moved to Nashville? I think, yeah, maybe. So we were, my family was from uh, Nebraska. Shannon's back then was in North Dakota and Minnesota. <laughs> and, you know, at some point, you're, you're, when you drive 14 hours, because there's no way you can't really fly, because you fly to Minneapolis and you still got to drive four hours, rent a car, get car seats. We were just like, wow, this is uh, no good <laughs> at all. So we, we actually just stopped doing that. And uh, for us personally, it's like a relaxing time because we stay here and we'll, we'll yeah. hang out with Carrie and Michelle and Jim and Donna and, um, you know, just our family here in town. But uh, so I I actually, sometimes, like when I think about it, like I, I don't miss that, the stress of that driving. And, and you guys aren't driving either, right? Aren't you, your family's coming here? Yeah, my my. My family's coming here. Um, which is that is how that normally happens? Is that how it used to happen for you? Um, well, once we moved to Nashville, which has been a decade we've been here, believe it or not, um, oh, wow, yeah. family started coming down for Thanksgiving. Right. And we go up for Christmas. Okay. So That's a fair trade. Yeah, so we kind of swap it out. It's a six-hour drive, yeah. so it's manageable and reasonable, and we don't have little kids anymore so it's even easier well and speaking of which so one of your uh your one of your not little kids anymore is actually doing thanksgiving with yeah so his, that is true that is different for us married family he's in michigan yeah my oldest son who got married over the summer is now made the 11 hour trek to northern michigan to be with her family for oh, thanksgiving young love man <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a new it's a new scenario for us. So he actually won't be with us. Oh. They won't be with us how's, for Thanksgiving dinner. So. How's, how's Mama Jen doing? Oh, she's fine. Because they're going to be here. They're dry, They're hustling back. They'll be here for Saturday. So it just gives us another excuse to have another dinner. Oh, well. We and more, more pie and, and, and turkey. So, just, Which means, by the way, for us here, uh, Caleb Ernest is, is batting cleanup for Micah yeah. today in the producer role. Producer Micah's out of town. And... Uh, 17-year-old Caleb, who is my neighbor, I might add, uh, lives in my hood. We're, you know, we're, we're, you know, it's hard out there on the streets, right? You know, uh, <laughs> of, of the Grove, College Grove. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Caleb's producing us today, so it's going to be a fun day. Yeah, thanks for stepping in, Caleb. So, Darren, you were back this week, and we jumped into Romans 8. What's true about you? It's our sermon series. We started Romans, uh, what, three months ago? It's going to take as long as it needs to. Yeah, do you remember back in the good old days when we thought we would just do a chapter a week? <laughs> that was the goal. Yeah. We looked at Romans. We said, what, what, 16 chapters? Yeah, right? we'll be done by Christmas. Be done by Christmas. Yeah, well, we've pushed that to Easter, it looks like. Dumb, 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 dumb. 
but it's fine because it's so rich yeah. uh, theologically, um, and there's just a lot to discuss. And so Romans eight, which is we're halfway through um, the the book of Romans, and so. The life in the spirit was the topic or the, the kind of the main takeaway from Romans 8 from this uh, this passage of verses that you, you dove into on Sunday. Yeah. Specifically, though, Romans 8, verse 5, which reads, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. Yeah. So there is a, there's a war within, and we talked a little bit about this with Joel last week, but specifically uh, that phrase, have their minds set on, uh, which is, it, 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 it calls us to evaluate what do we have our minds set on. Yeah. I mean, Romans six through eight in general is some of the most important, uh, Important. It's hard to say it that way. So understand what I'm saying. All all scriptures God breathes. So I'm not saying one's more right. important than the other. But but as for scripture that actually literally speaks to what most Christians' everyday life looks like, chapters six through eight, like it just kind of speaks to us because it's the if if I'm a, a Christian right and I'm saved by grace, not by works, you know most uh, religions that s- sort of askew grace as a, as a message. In fact, so what, when Martin Luther, you know, first comes across this idea of justification by grace, the reason he was so hated was that the idea was, well, if that's true, then what, how do we control our behavior? Because fear was the primary tool to control behavior and mm, right and and the truth is is that you know that's a very legitimate question like if we are saved by grace what about the gospel message would a make me want to change and b give me the power to change with it? and that's Romans 6 through 8 and um when you look at your life and and you think about your day-to-day stuff you know it's you I can't, most people I know would read Romans 7 and think, well, doggone, that right totally resonates with me. Why do I do yeah. the things I don't want to do? Yeah. And why don't I do the things I want to do? You know, that's like being a human. And Paul goes through that to say that that's going to be the struggle for us. Um, but then in Romans 8, he actually sort of gives us how we do the struggle. Um, and doggone it, if it doesn't just all come down to the mind the mind right. versus the spirit. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, you know, when we read words like this, um, you know, most people probably listening to this podcast, probably uh, have some command over the scripture or have some experience with the Bible. And so we kind of read these words and we're familiar with them. Um, but what we don't realize is that like, you know, these, these are translations of Greek words or whatever, but this is a super, relevant stuff like the law of the spirit and the mind and the flesh and all uh it, it genuinely is it's bible speak uh a modern parlance is um i just need to get my crap together like what <laughs> at what yeah. point am i going to get my crap together and 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 you know get control of some of this stuff in my life and for some people it's eating for some people it's porn for some people it's an anger issue but we've all got you know those things that we got to get a hold of and he 
builds it out here in, in that verse really is like the fulcrum of this chapter that those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. So what does the flesh desire and what does the spirit desire? Um, and that's kind of the way the rest of this chapter unfolds. Um, I, I, I love Tim Keller's description of the flesh. It was the first time I heard of, of a description that kind of like jumped out that made sense. And his was that it's our own self-salvation project. So the works of the flesh yeah. listed in Galatians 5 are our versions of how we try to save ourselves and saving ourselves defined as pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain. Um, the sozo life yeah. that Jesus promised, we're trying to take a shortcut. And so that's why when you read the works of the flesh in Galatians, it reads like, uh, you know, in some ways, like an addiction thing, you know, like a, it really a, does. anger management class, anyone, right? You know, um, it, it's, it's literally, those are things that we begin to do or have done because they worked in a way to avoid pain and pursue pleasure uh, to give us a secular version of a human version of sozo. But the spirit doesn't want that. The spirit actually has this whole other thing in mind for us, which is that uh, Jesus's life. And, and by the way, if you don't have that, that life more abundantly that Jesus promised, um, like you can have it. It's not unattainable. Um, but what I am fascinated by, and we've talked a lot about this, the mind is where it comes down to like what you put your mind on. Am I going to put my mind on the things of the spirit or am I going to put my mind on the things of the flesh? It's the, it's the core driver. Yes. And what is the primary target of social media, of streaming platforms, of, of Netflix, of it's our mind. Yeah. Like the most, ex, the most sought after real estate on the planet. It's is, not Manhattan. No, not Cabo. Not Cabo. It's your mind. It's your brain. Like that's the whole social dilemma when they say that, which the, I mean, that moment was like the mic drop moment of the decade, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you are the product moment. Yeah. Like what it, a more accurate version of that is, is that your mind is the product. Yeah. And so they're trying to uh, get real estate in your brain for, uh, to, to monetize it. Like they're selling yeah. your brain. Yeah. The, there was a study that was done a couple of years ago and I've, I've just kind of saved, put this on a file to kind of revert back to for some of this information. But you know, your brain produces as many as 50,000 thoughts a day. They did a, an, a, a, a full study of this um, to a series of, of people over a course of time. Um, like I said, I think it was in 2018. 50,000 thoughts a day is what penetrates our brains and which breaks down to 35 thoughts a minute. So you have 35 individual thoughts per minute, which is a little more than what? Twice a second? Yeah. Um, or every two seconds rather, every yeah. two seconds, you have a, a new thought. And so we're managing that. We're constantly managing that. Um, and to be more specific, we are subject to about 7,000 advertisements a day. 7,000? 7,000 advertisements a day, which seems impossible if you think about it on the surface. How can we be subjected to 7,000 advertisements a day? 
then if you start really paying attention, you zoom back for a second, then you start seeing all of the different logos and labels and names and uh, just in social media alone, as you're scrolling, as you're driving, as you're listening to the radio, uh, obviously your TV, even if you're you're cooking in the kitchen, all the different you know brands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you realize pretty quickly that wow, we are inundated with advertisements, seven thousand yeah. of them every day, which is your brain. You your know what I mean? Brain is consuming that. To me, um, you mean the Bible tells us, do not be ignorant of of Satan's schemes, and. I think for us as as believers um, t- to understand when you're scrolling on social media, you know, some of us are doom scrolling, you know, looking for the bad stuff. Um, some of us are uh, scrolling for puppies. But what ultimately, and it's again, the scheme of the enemy, and parenthetically, I'm not saying that um, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, are inherently evil products. We we have raised an enormous amount of awareness and money to set slaves free through social media platforms. Uh, what I am saying is that they are tools, and if we are not aware of the scheme that's happening, because their scheme, uh, they're not charging us for it, so someone's paying for it, and the way that they pay for it is through advertising. And I, I mean, golly, for most of us, that we, we say we know this. I say I know this, but it's important for me to remember that um, so that when I'm clicking on something, you know, some engineers in uh, you know, San Jose thought, well, I bet what Darren would want to see more of is what he's already clicking on or what he's interacting with. That, that's so innocuous of a thought. Uh, and, it's, and it's what happens. And so when we click on those things, um, we see more of it. And if we are seeing just the things that make us angry or make us scared, the, it be, literally becomes, the, the, my mind is now in the things of the flesh because the things of the flesh, those are things that make me angry. Those are things, so I'm trying to avoid pain, pursue pleasure. And for me, that pursuing pleasure there and avoiding pain is I want to have control of this um, with it. And so it, it becomes a, a spiral. Yeah, and Facebook knows this. Um, they've admitted this. We were listening to and reading some articles about it this past week um, that showed and shared that algorithms that um, algorithms are enhanced with those posts with negative content or negative connotation that are divisive, the algorithms pick that pick those posts up and enhance their visibility. So yes, those that are you know scrolling and looking at you know the puppy videos, like my son, he is obsessed with uh, Gabriel. He's obsessed with with dog videos and and cute little uh, little you know dog reels and stuff like that like he loves that he shows it to me all the time uh, it's hilarious I love that he loves those things uh, but like you talk, you said the phrase doom scrolling yeah they are counting on it like Facebook is is putting is putting their money and their coding and their algorithms to that 
particular side of social media. They are they are banking on that um, that you, that that you will see those things, repost those things, share those things that cause division. Um, and what is essentially happening is we're being radicalized in some way um, towards yeah a, an, an idea. And I, so when you hear the word radicalized, what you're really hearing is verse six, a mind yeah. governed by the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the, the radicalization is that. Um, and it's, you know, it's just like humans to build something so amazing and not recognize that the strength of it is also the weakness of it. When you listen to... Um, secular humanist thinkers, whether it's Glenn Greenwald, Joe Rogan, Tim Poole, Tristan Harris, whatever. Is it Tristan? Technically, it's Tristan Harris. Tristan Harris. My name is Daron Tyler. (laughs) Um, They they still have this idea that humans are inherently good. I know. Yes. And so if we can judge, and that's literally the Achilles heel of it is uh, Romans is over here screaming, you're not, (laughs) you're not inherently good. Yes. Um, But that also means, by the way, that putting a government restriction on it is not good because that's the, the, you know, a government isn't a what, a government is a who, and a who is, you know, inherently evil as well. So, you know, as believers of Christ, as, as those who follow Jesus, understanding the schemes of the enemy and then not playing into them is important. Because it goes back to, if I'm going to allow my mind to be governed by the flesh, um, by allowing these companies to monetize my mind um, and being ignorant of the schemes of the enemy, I literally put myself in a position to be governed by the flesh. And I would bet that uh, so I, I did something this past year. I finally, I got off of Twitter. Um, I'm not saying that's a thus saith the Lord uh, that everyone shouldn't, because honestly, because most still on Twitter, I still technically can find out what I wanted to find out from Twitter. <laughs> I just uh, almost let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but Twitter, for some reason, inherently is worse to me than even Facebook or Instagram as far as just the the vitriol yeah. that gets amplified and and you know I did have well, I mean look I'm a nobody but you know a handful of people were, were spreading lies about me on Twitter um, and I wasn't I didn't get off for that reason I got off because I was realizing that Twitter was the only reason I was left on Twitter was I was trying to find news that was actually news yeah and not narrative stuff yeah and when I saw that Twitter was actually literally proactively silencing voices that were telling truth. I was like, okay, well, that's the last reason I was here. Right. And But I'll say this. I have been way more peaceful in yeah. that part of it's after getting off of Twitter. And it's a weird thing to say because I would like to say that I, I know the schemes of the enemy. And But when I stopped with Twitter, it was like, oh, even just the... Because I, I got to scroll through so much hate to get to the truth. Yeah. That it was dig for it. still just like popping a pop of hate here and a pop of hate there and I don't know that human brains were even meant to get like you could catch so much negativity just in one sitting of scrolling oh so true right that I like you wouldn't get that in your entire life in before the internet like, yeah you just yeah. didn't know and 
So I, for me, getting off of Twitter was a, was a gift. And again, not saying everybody should do that or um, others probably can handle it better. But for me, that was it. And and honestly, at this point, if it weren't for the amount of awareness and impact that we could get from social networks from for the mission, right. I might be off of Facebook. Facebook at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of a cold, hard, honest truth is that the majority of us got duped this past several years on Facebook even. Um, hmm. What I mean by that is of the top 20 Christian Facebook pages, you know you have those pages that are always putting out memes or they're putting out these phrases or even verses, um, these encouraging Facebook pages that appear. Uh, of the top 20, 18 of those pages were completely fake and false, run by troll farms. Are you familiar with the troll farms? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Out of Kosovo and Macedonia. So these are fake pages. Now think about that. Like that, if you're trying to, it's so funny, this whole Russia collusion thing with Trump, it was like, it was such a sideshow um, because it, it actually avoids the actual real issue. Because are there foreign, you know, interests that want to affect or sway our elections? Absolutely there are. Yeah. Are there foreign interests that want to invade and divide our country uh, from the inside out? Absolutely there are. And we're over here, you know, trying to figure out if MSNBC is telling us the truth about whether, you know, Trump was with a prostitute. And it, 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 literally they're buying into this narrative that was actually proven demonstrably false. But the actual and missing the actual narrative, which is what like that that right there yeah. of, of, of just that element. And they're not the only troll farms out there, but they, they were specifically targeting Christians. Yeah. And it reached 140 million U.S. users a month, 140 right. million users. And, um, and they're not doing that for fun. You know, no. You know, a troll farm doesn't set up without an agenda. And when you look at how divided America is, but also specifically the church is. Right. Um, in America, I should say, the church globally is not divided. It's just the American church. Yeah. And I, uh, I can't help but just believe and know that th um, this was a literal attack from a, uh, an enemy to divide and conquer the United States. If, if you look at the history of China, by the way, they're not you won't find a lot of history of China invading other countries with a military power. That's just not how they roll. Right. Um, you know, the art of war uh, is kind of their playbook. And one of the ways that they have invaded in history and that they're currently invading is economically. But the other is the, the, the Russian playbook of disinformation. Yes. And so in inside of Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are looking at a meme or a post from a quote-unquote Christian site, like v verify, verify, verify that stuff. Yes. Because it's entirely possible that it's uh, a lie or more possible that it is the, the biblical definition of false witness. It's probably worth remembering that. Uh, the Ten Commandments, it doesn't say thou shalt not lie. It says thou shalt not bear false witness. There are two examples of false witness in the New Testament. 
One was at the trial of Jesus and the other is at the trial of Stephen uh, in Acts 6. Both times they came in and said, Jesus, so with Jesus, he said he would tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days and we heard him say that. Now, that's true. He did say that. But he said what he meant when he said it, which was, this he spoke of of his body being crucified and buried and resurrected. Right. So in other words, they gave the right information, but the wrong implication. Right. That's false witness. And that's what most news channels are doing, what most uh, propaganda places are. Uh, that's the right information, but it's the wrong implication. That's a biblical definition of false witness. Um, and that's what most of these troll farms are doing. And, and they're literally... You know, if you're a Christian and there's 140 million people that were affected by it, it's likely everyone listening to this that has a Facebook account <laughs> right. was affected by that. Yeah. So don't be ignorant of his devices with that, you know, uh, because it, what it goes on to say is, um, so verse five, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Okay, so living according to the flesh, what the flesh desires, spirit desires. And then verse six, it says, because the mind governs, so it now switches it. So it's not the flesh governing the mind anymore, right? It's the flesh uh, governing the mind. So it's not the mind governing the flesh, it's the flesh governing the mind. It's backwards in the spirit. In other words, that's when you get to the point where, um, so if, if, uh, if, if you had an addiction, uh, a sex addiction, a, a, a drug addiction, a food addiction or whatever, that's the point where you're no longer governing your diet your diet is governing you it controls you it controls you and i would like to suggest that what some of us are missing those that are feeling a very specific fear or anxiousness that you are even with your own kids putting it on them or especially in the in the covid year man there was a lot of fear a lot of anxiousness that now our kids are paying the price for it and we're paying the price that we've now switched into the flesh is governing the, the mind at that point yeah. because it's no longer we've allowed the, 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 the flesh to take over and again f- pursue pleasure and avoid pain the, the self-salvation project um, the, these COVID restrictions were about as big of a self-salvation project like a quite literal self-salvation project I mean do you remember March of 2020 we were being told every Amazon box that comes in you gotta like spray it down you gotta let it sit outside for three days uh, and then long past the fact that it, by April they were saying okay well we were that was dumb we were wrong you can't spread this on a surface right that was just 60 days in and the entire country continued to do that and to this day there are those in families that are still putting gloves on that are still putting uh, you know spraying off their Amazon boxes and stuff like because they just didn't catch up and their mind is in other words the flesh is now being governed by the mind because that doesn't make any sense right to do that so it's not a logical thing anymore this is the flesh doing this Um, we gotta understand that when we've let ourselves go there um, at some point we gotta let the spirit take over in our lives because we can't live this way and, and I would guess nobody wants to live this way it's exhausting right to keep up yeah and again if 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 a virus that somehow magically shows up uh, from a place in Wuhan China and, and I love you know John Stewart's uh, Stephen Colbert probably still has not recovered from 
from that. It's it's the same name as the lab. It's right. like the same name. Um, whether it was intentional or not, uh, nobody knows. But we do know that China has very specific aspirations in this world to uh, bring back the glory of their empire. And for us to have been, I feel like they sucker punched us from the inside out. They didn't have, they, they literally invaded us without having to fire a shot. Absolutely. Having to waste a single missile that, you know, they've got missiles, but they ain't going to need them because we're too busy fighting each other, being governed by the flesh yes. with this. And I, I know this, the world is looking at us right now uh, as Christians. And are we going to be like them, scared, governed by the flesh, or are we going to be governed by the spirit, what the spirit desires. And I, I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for us. I know you, Mo, and I know that our church, man, we want to be governed by the spirit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the secular world has a take on it too. In meaning there's a huge push, you know, so Apple is pushing their mindfulness app. Right. Yeah. So like they have this. So Apple has a mindfulness app. Yeah. Their own proprietary one. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, so like if you have an Apple watch, it'll, and if you, if you, if you turn it on, it will pipe up throughout the day with a, with a little buzz alert, um, for you to, to take time to be mindful. It can be 60 seconds. It can be, um, 30 seconds as often as you want it to, you can tell it what to do. But fact of the matter is. Apple Corporation has built this into their apps and they're recognizing uh, this need to somehow be less worrisome, less anxious, to take a deep breath, to yeah. rest and relax and to put your mind on something. <laughs> you know, that's really interesting that you say that because when you, um, you speak to someone, um, who's a therapist or a, uh, there was actually a, a guy that was a ABC news reporter. I can't remember his name. He wrote a book called 10% happier. Yeah. I remember that. And it came out of that. He was a guy that on national television had a panic attack on live TV, like Diane Sawyer's interviewing him. And he's just literally like, like the worst nightmare, like Dan Harris, Dan Harris. Yeah. And by the way, one of my favorite liberals, like he's, I love his reporting, but Dan's answer to that 10% happier was transcendental meditation. Yeah. And if you listen to Jerry Seinfeld, um, many, many top uh, performers out there, they all practice, uh, transcendental meditation and what it is, is it's so funny because they're actually taking Buddhist practices, but with a secular bent on it. So it's breathing and focusing on your breath. Yeah. And and so here's the thing: it's a it's a life hack, and there is truth in what it accomplishes. In that it's like if you um, whatever you have a cold, you take a Sudafed to get rid of your symptoms. Uh, or you could actually do some things that actually change your health, vitamin D or whatever to get, you know, th this is like the vitamin D to get your brain uh, back on track. But it's, it's not replacing your scary thoughts with anything. It's just focusing on your breathing. Focusing on yourself. Focusing on the flesh.
It's uh, it's the fastest growing health trend in America, according to the CDC. Meditation is interesting. Um, its popularity has increased more than threefold in the U.S. over the past five years. Wow! It's, it's a new report from the CDC, and there's some stats that have come with this. This is really interesting. It shows that 14% of U.S. adults are using meditation. How many? Say it again. 14%, right. which is up three times as what it was three years ago. Um, so it's increasing. And now 7% of children are learning meditation, which is a brand wow. new stat. Never, never used to exist. And I'm really curious kind of how these numbers even... See, these numbers are kind of pre-COVID. So with the, you know now... I bet those numbers are inflated a little bit more. And yeah. here's what's really interesting. Uh, the 10 most popular meditation apps have generated almost $200 million. So now it's a, it's a, it's a revenue stream. <laughs> the meditation market wow. has garnered 200 mil in the past year. Again, proving what Romans told us 2,000 years ago, that the mind is the most Yes. You know, powerful, desirable real estate in the world. Yes. And it, it's, and I will say that, um, so I've, uh, when I first started experiencing uh, the panic attack things years ago, I, I can't, you know, actually, you know, it was Dan Harris's. I actually downloaded Dan Harris's 10% Happier yeah. app. And what I learned real quick was, uh, it's a life hack and it does work with breathing to get your heart rate. There are things you can do. Absolutely. Um, but every single person talking you through these quote unquote meditations are uh, secular humanists, universalists. And so they're working in their worldview while they're talking you through these things. True. And, and I, I, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, at one point it was like, oh, but isn't this what, isn't this what the Bible told us to do? Like in Psalms 1, verse 2, <laughs> those who de meditate on his word yes. day and night, like the, that word is in the scripture. Yes. And it's not about uh, like cleaning your mind of everything, which by the way, was it, that was good information for me. One of the, the, the things I heard somebody say, because I... When I heard that 50,000 thoughts a day, I actually thought that's kind of low. Uh, oh, wow. For my brain. For your, like, for your brain. Yeah. <laughs> High I, I, red. Yeah. Vision. Yeah. Something's wrong upstairs with me, but I, it felt low, but, uh, that it wasn't, um, about emptying your mind. Like when someone says that, just empty your mind and clear your mind. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, uh. But, you know, when you talk to people in Buddhism and Hinduism, they actually talk about, you know, uh, enlightenment, whatever. That's actually the highest is that you've, you know, whatever your mind is completely clear, whatever it's Scientology with, you know, with Buddhists. But the Bible doesn't ever say that. And it, even when it talks about like a stream of living water, that one of the things that I started doing is I was meditating on his word is when thoughts would come in, I would actually treat them like a stream in front of me that was just going in front of me. So it wasn't like in, I had to stop it like a dam. It's just, yeah. oh, there goes that thought. There goes that yeah. thought but continuing on what the word says yes. about things. Yes. And um, that has been a tool for me, getting my mind on the things of the spirit. Because um, it says, you know, does, whatever the spirit desires, well, the way that I know what the spirit desires is from the word of God. And focusing on those things, um, it changes. Literally, we're going to get there in Romans eventually, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like that's where transformation happens is when your mind is renewed 
and your mind is renewed by putting it on the things of the spirit. Yes. Galatians talks about walking in the spirit. Yes. And so it isn't a life hack. It's not even a technique. Like that's the thing that I think is the most freeing and frustrating at the same time that the Bible doesn't give us a technique to do this. You know, what Jerry Seinfeld practices is a life hack that's a technique that can give you momentary relief. Yeah. But the Bible speaks of, it's, this is relationship language. Or a lifestyle. Yes. A lifestyle. Yes. Uh, Philippians 4.8 is, is my, probably my life verse. Those that use Enneagram language will maybe understand this, but I'm an Enneagram 6. The loyal skeptic. And so... Um, we tend to, uh, we call ourselves realists, um, but everybody else would call us pessimists. <laughs> and so, realistic. just being realistic, man. <laughs> um, and so, verse eight of chapter four of Philippians is what I, if we're talking techniques, um, is what I resort to as well. And I shared this with somebody even just this past week was really struggling with this with this conversation, with this topic. They were just having just a hard time focusing on finding hope given there's certain circumstances right now and just in the world, it just seems hopeless in many ways. But in many ways, there's there's plenty of hope. And Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Mm. And that's my... Uh, that's my true north for me to come back to that verse. So, so that anything that's coming into my mind, if it doesn't line up with any of those seven things that are listed, hmm. um, just to cast it away, you know, because I need to be thinking on those things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely. Um, and that's, and then it says later in the next verse um, to put it into practice. Um, this is something that yeah. that's that's the lifestyle, right? That, that you live in that from day to day. Yeah. And you know, look, each of us are wired differently, um, but the the truth is that this is our it's our choice here. We are the ones responsible for what we're going to put our minds on, and so whether it's setting reminders in your phone. You know, you know, I appreciate the enthusiasm of people that want to do away with uh, with all tech. Um, I just don't know how that can happen in our world right now. Sure. Um, so it becomes: Am I going to govern my tech, or am I going to be governed by my technology? Right. And so to use it for like the, the thing that I use every day is John Eldridge has a thing called the pause app yeah. like, and maybe there are more out there I'm actually shocked and maybe we need to do that but there, I'm shocked there are not more of those out there right now um, because, a faith based Christian based um, focus app yeah right meditation on scripture on truth yeah right it, and it's just John reading scripture That's with great. a music bed yeah, and I get a reminder every morning and a reminder every afternoon for it um, and it hits me uh, it always hits me when I'm in the middle of a meeting and I'm like oh geez I don't have time for this right now um, and I have learned the hard way that it's not that I don't have time for this I, 
I don't have time not to do this. Like yeah. this, the gift that this is giving me, as long as this is assaulting at us, then we're going to have to be proactive in our war against it because the war, the war coming at us is very proactive on us right now. Um, it's subtle. It's 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 un, it's indecipherable. Like you don't even feel it. Um, but would you're just hitting, you know, hitting the moment where I'm just hitting the, the scrolling for whatever. When you think about it, for the most part, we do it mindlessly. We, you know, uh, we do it in a way that is, uh, it's funny, mindfulness, but we're doing it mindlessly. Um, like, I almost wish there was like a buzzer, like on the phone that would like shock me that like, uh, like, oh, don't do that. Like, the, you know, it's not good for you. Um, but the, whatever it is, it's, we're going to be proactive with it. Like that's, it's not about the works to get saved here. This is the works of the flesh, right? We talked about saved by grace, not by works. This is the flesh version of saved by works, saving yourself with, you know, doing the works of the flesh. In in our days that we're in, we, it, we would behoove us to do it for our children. Uh, but we start with ourselves um, because there's a great many parents out there who we're experiencing all the information, all the onslaught, all the, and transferring that anxiety to our children. Um, and I don't say that out of shame at all, but I say it that if we have children right now that we've transferred it to and they're struggling with their own versions of panic attacks and anxiety and fear, the greatest gift we could give them is walking by the spirit ourselves. Yeah. It, we we led them into it with anxiety. We mm. can lead them out of it with the spirit. Yeah, that's um, good. And it's going to take time. Um, it's it's going to take uh, proactivity, and it's going to take us just stepping up and being who we were created and designed to be, and remembering who we are. Because it says uh, he goes on in verse seven: the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Um, if, if we're there now where it's governed by the flesh, the only road out of that is the mind by the spirit. And it, it's not a switch. It's not a pill. Um, it's a journey. It's a relationship and a daily battle for your soul. Uh, because verse 9 tells us that you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the spirit. Mm -hmm. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, we're, if you have received Christ, if you have believed on him, you actually have the spirit of Christ in you already. So that's not a, you're not on the other side of that if. You are in Christ. And verse 10, even if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and he is... He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Your body right now, um, if it's full of fear, full of panic attacks, heart rate, all that, the spirit is what can give us life in that. And again, there's no recipe here that I'm going to offer you because Paul doesn't offer us one. He talks about walking by the Spirit in Galatians, walking in the Spirit. He doesn't talk about leaping. There's no such thing as a leap of faith in the Scripture. It's just a step after a step after a step. And 
uh, you know, it starts in the mind with the meditation on his word and recognizing that uh, there are corporate interests who, they're, I, look, I don't think they're evil. The lo- it's, money's not evil. The love of money is evil. And so there's probably some evil in the fact that, you know, if you're just trying to please your shareholders or whatever in your well, social media. What was the Reed Hastings uh, quote you were talking about? The, the founder of Netflix was talking about their greatest enemy. Oh, yeah. His greatest competitor isn't like Amazon. It's sleep. Yeah, because like, they're not able to watch as much. They, they released a new uh, website this week. Uh, Netflix did. It's called top10.netflix.com. And it shows all of the, the, the top 10 shows and how many hours that each show garners for the week. And that's how they're rating them. Wow. So Where I, does that show up at? I've not seen, I thought they guarded that stuff like crazy. No, they just released it. It's called, it's called the Netflix top 10. It's a new website they just launched. Like oh they're bragging about it now. Oh my gosh. So number one this week is a new show. It's a new movie that they just released. It's an in-house movie for Netflix called Red Notice. Of course with The Rock, you know, he's, he's everywhere. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson's killing it. He's crushing it. Um, so it's the number one movie in Netflix right now. And they, they show all these stats. They show the number of hours viewed. And it's wow. for this week, it shows that it's been watched for 129 million hours this week. Oh, my gosh. 129 million hours this week was devoted to this brand new movie, Red Notice. And this is globally. Wow. This is globally. Um, and it shows the top 10. Um, he actually has two movies in the top 10. Um Kevin Hart, Central Intelligence. Have you seen that movie, The Rock and Kevin Hart? No, it's hilarious. But any any movie with a big guy, and a big little guy, guy and a little guy. Oh, yeah, it's whether so it's funny. Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, you know, The Rock and Kevin Hart. Like I'm, right. I'm all about big guy, little guy humor. Fact of the matter is, they they've just released this new site to show how many millions of hours that uh, that people are watching is, their shows. Does it say whether that's global or is that U.S.? Global. Global okay. top 10. And then it breaks it down by country. So you can click through and see, okay, these are the top 10 films in the U.S. These wow. are the top 10 in any other country. Netflix itself? Yeah, United States, United Kingdom, Venezuela. Um, it, has, it just has every country listed here. Um, and, and I don't know if you've... So, kid, like, if you're in your 20s or younger, or whatever, and you grew up on streaming, you don't know this, but the way that the world used to work was, you know, when the Dukes of Hazard was done on Friday night, you had to wait till next Friday night to see the next Dukes of Hazard. That's right. You know, Thursday nights was was a must see TV night because it was the only option. You weren't getting another option except for Thursday night to watch the Cosby's or right. or Seinfeld or whatever was on. And but now, and this is true of the news, by the way. And, and some of you guys are old enough to remember uh, when Walter Cronkite signed off, he was signing off for the night. And the difference now and is. They go from... There is no sign-off. No. And and when they do the thing at the end of a show, whether it's MSNBC or Fox or CNN, where, you know, Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon are talking to each other at the end of the show and they're passing to the next one. The handoff. That's designed to keep you watching. Yeah, and it's designed. So basically each show, uh, if you pay attention to this, you'll see. So at the bottom or the top of the hour is when a show ends. And technically that's when there's a a segment of commercials that kind of bridges the gap, the top and the bottom of the hour. So they're doing this, what you're talking about, the handoff. They'll usually do it about five minutes before the top of the hour. So they don't lose you. 
Okay, so they hand off the show. Watching, yeah. They hand off the show about five minutes before technically it's over um, to give you to give you the lead in and the headline. Go to commercial, which is usually sponsored by Pfizer (laughs) 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 or any other uh, Moderna pharmaceutical. I mean, if and just watch any news, any any news uh, hour commercials and they're absolutely targeted to their demographic. Wow. So just pay pay attention to the commercials even. They're all pharmaceuticals or they'll they'll hit um, you know, typically uh, men and or women of course in their uh, in their 50s and 60s is is it's it's all targeted. So even if you're watching, you know, a Saturday morning show on network television, um, it's the commercials are for usually kids toys or things yeah. you know for kids or for moms specifically the point of all of this is that we would create awareness to what we are watching like what's coming in what's coming into our house what's coming into our eyes and know and realize that it's absolutely targeted for your brain yeah for you to make a decision um, to purchase to um, create brand loyalty um, all of those things are being targeted for you. You are a target. So, uh, what kind of uh, what kind of a vigilant vigilante? What kind of vigilance will we have over right. our mind in our in our hearts with this? Right. If, if we recognize the plan, the strategy of so my son and I are watching Band of Brothers together. He's sixteen now, and um, fantastic film. Right. Um, and so this was a series developed by HBO, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, in 2001. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. About 20 years? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, I felt pretty doggone old. Uh, but it still holds up. Oh, buddy, does it. And But one thing that's interesting, and I just noticed this last night as I was sort of thinking about today, we're about five episodes in, and they don't end each episode with a cliffhanger to get you to keep watching in the streaming thing. It resolves. It, yeah. There's a, okay, we, we were just in Caratan and now we're back in England and we're, you know, so there's like a beginning, a middle and an end. Now each of the shows, of course, tie together or whatever yeah. the storyline, but there's no like, you know, when you, when you you compare that to the way that a show is created now for Hulu or Netflix or Amazon at the end of that show, all of a sudden, there's going to be some unresolved cliffhanger moment of oh my gosh I got to figure out, I can't I got to figure out what happened to keep you watching and streaming uh, and next thing you know the can of Pringles is empty and the Cheeto bag is gone yeah, and the, it's two in the morning the and binge just, formula exactly the binge formula and binge is a pejorative not a positive <laughs> right right it's in any other context a binge is not good yeah and the the again the mind on the spirit of the flesh it's almost like what we were taught or trained for when we were younger is, you know, to to not watch naughty stuff on TV, which a good rule of thumb, right? We used yes. to. My dad referred to the television as the boob tube. I don't know if they. Yeah, still that's do pretty that. common. Do they phrase. do that, Caleb? Anywhere? I don't, they don't have tubes anymore, so I don't, you know they still have boobs, but no tubes. But uh, but that was so it was like don't watch naughty stuff. Um, and by again, good rule of thumb, but. If that's the the line in the sand that we've put, uh, we are literally missing this larger thing of like, what are we putting our minds on 
um, the things of the flesh. Because let's be honest, I've done it. Um, I, I, I do it mostly on a plane because, I, okay, I want to avoid pain and pursue pleasure. I got 19 hours between here and Entebbe. And so I will like sandbag uh, a show and because I, and I want it to be a good one that keeps me binging. Um, like, I, I don't know if I've ever told you, that's where I discovered The Office for the first time I was on a flight really? somewhere. It was so embarrassing because I was laughing so hard that I was like waking up people. So I'm like, I had to hit pause and compose myself. And I was like, how did I never know this show existed? Yeah, like, you relate to the show, man. Yeah, I mean, it was like 2005 or something. I don't know, it was like, oh, Africa, I don't know. Uh, but I just remember, but th- th- that's a avoid pain, pursue pleasure, you know, technique on a plane. Right. Um, but when it comes down to it, like that's, I remember, um, I might've been Phil Herndon or Schulte. I don't remember now telling me that like, people that are binge eating, it's not about being hungry. It's about being lonely. So I'm avoiding wow. pain and pursuing yeah. pleasure, uh, pain of loneliness, pursuing pleasure of not thinking about being lonely anymore um and i think there's a lot there's a lot to do with that when it comes to binging a season of something um it's entertaining it's hilarious it's whatever um but if that's a normal thing in your life like if you've made it to the end of netflix you might you might need to look at you know maybe what pain am i avoiding here (laughs) that, that the spirit wants to heal with us um in the world that we're in right now what we, I mean, we're, we're children of God. We, the spirit of God dwells inside of us. And everywhere people look, news, social media, there is pain and there is fear and there is cotton candy where it's just nothing. Um, if, we, if we're lucky, we get 80 to 90 years this side of heaven. I would love to have part of my legacy be that I was not cotton candy, but that I was a conduit of the spirit of God, uh, for the world around me. And just for my own sake, because when you meet somebody who walks by the spirit and and I've met them, um, man, they have a lot of joy and, and they're not ignorant. They're not like head in the sand people. Um, David Deloach is one of those guys. I don't know if you guys ever know who Deloach is. Uh, uh, just a guy that just walks in the spirit, walks by the spirit. And he is not affected by the news. He knows the news. He's just not affected by it. Um, and, I, you know, I would like to be more like David Deloach. I'd like to be more like Jesus and less like, you know, everybody that you hear on TV or podcasts or, you know, I would love that to be. So we're not going to be ignorant of his devices. Right. Um, and we're, you know, because to me, that's just as much a mind on the flesh. Those that are burying their head in the sand and acting like nothing's oh, wrong. for sure. You know, that's another form of the flesh because that's me yeah. just trying to pretend like nothing's happening. Yes. Um, but there's a way to know what's going on in the world, to live accordingly, and to, but to not live with fear and anxiety on, on us and on our kids. And these are all things that we can um, we can think about and we can... Uh, we can bring some awareness even to our family. Maybe even this weekend when you're with your family um, and you spend some extra time as a family unit, perhaps uh, making some different decisions on um, what you're viewing, what you're watching, um, maybe some new habits heading into the new year. You know, I mean, a lot of this stuff is habitual, right? We, we, we look for uh, the turning of the calendar to start making some goals. Yeah. And so maybe that's a goal this coming year is that we would be mindful of, 
of what we are consuming. Yeah. Um, literally, uh, physically, um, in our diets, uh, to uh, to what we're what we're watching, what we're taking in, reading, watching, listening to as well. And these are really important times, um, especially knowing that we are a target um, in this culture war that we're in. This Sunday, we're going to continue this thought through Romans chapter eight. Yeah, a little bit of a tidbit for us. What's uh, what's kind of the the crux of this passage of Romans eight? Yeah, so Paul basically is going to say, okay, if we're governed by the Spirit and not by the flesh, um, what does that look like? And it, I'm fascinated by, uh, and we're going to unpack this. He refers to creation. All of creation is groaning. Yes. Um, but then he says that the spirit prays for us a couple verses later um, with groans mm. that can't be uttered. So we get the spirit groan or the creation groan um, and, and the difference between those. Oh, this will be interesting. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to dig into that for, because uh, again, chapters six, seven, eight, man, some of the most important for us as, as brothers and sisters in Christ in a fallen world that we are not fallen. We have the spirit of Christ in us. And, um, so we're either going to let the, the groan of creation or the groan of the spirit uh, wow, in us. Good. And so that's, we're actually going to be three weeks, by the way, in chapter eight, at least. So Here we uh, go. we're going to really crush the, uh, Get our money's the, worth. the timeline. Yeah. Cause we haven't even gotten <laughs> to all things work together for the good of those who yeah. love him and are called according to his purpose. So that's going to be its own week. But this Thanksgiving weekend, yeah, the groaning of, uh, of this just groaning, groaning yes. pains is what I'm going to call it. No, that's great. That's good. Well, if you're in town, Come visit us. Uh, join us this Sunday, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Of course, you can watch online on our YouTube channel. Just search Conduit Church at YouTube, and we stream live at 11 a.m. each Sunday. And of course, you can just watch through the archives and catch up on this series, whether on YouTube or through our podcast. If you're traveling this weekend, be safe and just enjoy time with your family. We are thankful for you. We're thankful that that you that you tune in, that you listen. We're, we're, we really do appreciate when you send us an email um, and, and reach out and uh, have a conversation about some of the things we talk about. We just love hearing from you in that way as well. But thankful for you. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend. 